Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, along with my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. And today our guest will be Dan Knotts, who is the Vice President of Governmental Relations for IPAA. But before Dan joins us, I'd like to talk to you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which the feature cover is the newest elected railroad commissioner, Jim Wright. Very interesting story. This guy came out of nowhere to win this election, and you all are, are very familiar with how important the Texas Railroad Commission is to everything oil and gas in Texas. So it's a story that you definitely want to go read up on. For more information on his story, as well as our upcoming mixers that are scheduled for this month and next month, please go visit shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn more information, or you can simply go to our Facebook page, like our Facebook page, and it'll keep you updated on everything that's going on, including those mixers. We have definitely been in a lull thanks to COVID, and it appears as though we're starting to come out of it. So if you are ready to start growing your business, I highly encourage you to visit shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, and click on the link that has all of our calendar of events and see where we are. We're visiting different parts of the state of Texas and giving um, companies and businesses an opportunity to network with one another. I think the next one that we will be having is in Houston, Texas, at the Fogo the Chow on Westheimer, and that is set for March 25th. It's a mixer that you don't want to miss. For more information, go to shellmag.com. Again, that's shellmag.com. And now it's time to welcome on my co-host for today, David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine. David, welcome to And the Oil Patch. Hey, it's another beautiful, unfrozen day in Texas. Uh, well, we'll take this weather over what we had last <laughs> week, right? Yes, we will. And speaking of the Texas ice storm or snowstorm, if you will, I wanted to ask you if you had read any reports that there is legislation being drafted that is going to take the Eckhart or the PUC and place them potentially under the Texas Railroad Commission, and they would actually, uh, the Railroad Commission would be responsible for these two groups when we talk about uh, the utilities. What are your thoughts on that? Have you heard well, about you it? Know, yeah, that's an interesting uh, bill, I, and it's an interesting concept because when you think about it, it would st- kind of streamline the reg- regulatory authorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our state government right now, we have you know, the Railroad Commission is over here. They have authority to regulate pipelines. You have the PUC that has the authority to regulate the power utilities. And, you know, in that industry, that side of things. And then ERCOT, which was supposed to be managing the, the electricity grid here in Texas, reporting, theoretically anyway, to the PUC. But, um, you know, as we heard in the hearings uh, uh, on the aftermath of this horrible freeze situation that we had in Texas, Right. Um, you know, it's pretty communications sad. It was between pretty sad. ERCOT. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, the lack of communication between ERCOT, the PUC, the Railroad Commission, uh, and the lack of understanding at ERCOT of how important it is to keep power provided to, <laughs> to Texas uh, compressor stations, you know, the oil field, 
uh, and and to these these power generators. Frankly, they have to have electric service in order to run. Uh, the lack of communication there was just stunning, and the lack of understanding of how the system, frankly, worked. Well, when Chairwoman really... Craddock com- came on and said she had to actually give them the coordinates of what to turn yeah. on because they had such a lack of understanding of how important it was to keep these uh, compressor stations going and, and, and plants, it's shocking. And they do need it, to be under really the railroad It really is commission. shocking. And I, I, I will say, though, I, you know, to her credit, mm-hmm. uh, I think Commissioner Craddock's testimony was just outstanding at those hearings um, and probably may have been the, the germination for this legislation because, you know, she just, uh, she knew everything. Uh, she knew there was no excuse making. She she knows everything about how the systems work and interrelate to one another. Right. And the lack of understanding from the other witnesses about all of that was All I kept saying was, was I don't really know. Concerning. I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, yeah. You, you don't get to say, I don't know, when this is your job and people, yeah. Texans died. Uh, it is more of you should be responsible. You should know it. And since you don't know it, we do need to put you under the Railroad Commission. Because, again, the Railroad Commission has oversight. It's a regulatory body. It also is reviewed by the Sunset Commission every so often on the quality of work they're doing. I cannot understand how we actually have such a uh, and these groups that are responsible for such life and death situations and have no clue what they're doing in, in many ways. Yeah. It just kept hearing, yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. The <clears> other <throat> thing about that concept is if you had everything under the Railroad Commission, the, the Railroad Commissioners have to face the voters. That's right. That's right, because they're elected years. positions. That's correct. Right. They're elected officials. Instead of these whereas, board members that are appointed, which you know, is what we deal with. PUC is appointed and ERCOT is, is, you know, they're just employees, basically. And, and yeah. so... It's, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of proposals, but that one certainly has its merits. That's one that Teak is going to be supporting. Let's switch gears and talk about the price of uh, everybody's inquiring. Why has gas prices <laughs> shot up? So if you have a car, you've noticed. I see it on our social media platforms. Thanks a lot, Joe Biden. Thanks a lot, Joe Biden. You're going to pay more <laughs> at the pump. What is happening in the last, you know, two months he's been in office and we have shot up the gas pump. Can we expect more of this and what's causing it? Yeah, well, I, I, what's causing it is that uh, traders uh, who determine the price of crude oil uh, are anticipating lack of supply from the United States due to the Biden energy policies that we're already seeing have an impact. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're you know, running up the price of crude oil. And as crude oil, the price of crude oil goes up, price of gasoline is going to go up. Uh, and that's a direct byproduct of, of the knowledge in the markets now that we have this this regulatory, heavy regulatory focused administration in office, uh, the Biden executive orders, you know, uh, damaging to the oil and gas industry here in the United States. And so the market sees a, you know, the supply and demand curves are going to cross and oil is going to become scarce and that in, results in increased prices. We're up 50 cents a gallon since election day. I mm-hmm. expect we'll be up another 20 to 30 cents by mm-hmm. the middle of the year. And, um, and, it, you know, and it's it, not just that. It goes along with the fact that now are we more prone to having to be more engaged with the conflicts that occur in the Middle East than in the last four years when we had sure. a peacetime president that we didn't need to be in the Middle East. Um, I think that's just flipped, and uh, we're we're back into uh, a war. War times never end. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's it's talk a about terrible situation. Terrible situation, and what are the elections have consequences, folks? Goldman Sachs, seventy-five dollars uh, per barrel is their prediction. 
Um, now, we've been on this show for years, and we have been enjoying, uh, you know, a pretty, for the, you know, last administration, a pretty stable price, even though it was low price. Uh, Until COVID hit, yeah. Yeah, okay. So what's causing Goldman Sachs to reassess and say we could go all the way up to $75 uh, per barrel? I think this, the same factors we just talked about. And, and uh, you know, they had a projection out there of $65 per barrel by mid-year, mm-hmm. but the print Brent price went over 65 last week. Uh, and so they, you know, they had to reassess and say, oh, well, you know what? We're going to say it's going to be 75 by mid-year. Well, you know, six weeks from now, we might be over 75 and they may have to reassess again. Um, the reality is that demand is recovering far more rapidly than the quote experts have projected yeah. globally. Yeah. And so, and supply is off by 3 million barrels a day here in the United States. Uh, the OPEC Plus group is, you know, holding together on their export limitation agreement. And so it looks like the supply and demand curves are, are getting right back into rebalance where they were before COVID hit. And that means the price is going to continue to go up. And uh, Goldman Sachs sees that. And, uh, you know, I suspect they're right. I think they may still be even underestimating where Brent will be in July. So we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. What about OPEC Plus? Um do you think it's just more of the same? They're not willing to, yeah. they're, they're just going to follow. Well, I think, you know, they're going to meet later this week. I think uh, we'll see them probably agree to increase their own production to some extent. How, how many barrels a day that'll be. I don't think anybody has a good idea, but you know, they see the same things happening. We do. And uh, they want prices to be healthy, but they don't want them to just rocket up to a hundred dollars. Right. Because that, that just, spurs growth here in the United States, regardless of what the Biden administration does. So, you know, I I think they'll, we'll see them put some more oil on the market, but it won't be a huge, uh, huge amount. What kind of activity can we expect here in North America if we are at $75 per barrel or even higher as it potentially could be? Are we going to start seeing again a real growth in North America with some of these operators as well drilling? Probably, uh, but it's probably going to be a muted response this year just to see what the Biden administration does in, in terms of increasing regulatory actions on the industry. You know, there are a lot of places around the world to invest money in Mm -hmm. oil and gas. Mm -hmm. And as the Biden administration, you know, invokes all these new regulations and executive orders, investment in the United States becomes uh, less attractive. And so a lot of this money is going to go to places like Guyana and Suriname and and the West Coast of Africa before it comes to the United States, just because the profit margin is higher. Mm hmm. That makes sense. So we'll just see somewhat of a slow growth, if anything, yeah. here. Which That's is, what I'm expecting for this year is a slow, steady growth. So we won't see a recovery as much as hope was maybe as I maybe had hoped for in the way of jobs in the oil fill sector. I guess it'll probably remain flat. David, that is all the time that we have. When we come back, we will be joined by Dan Knotts, who is the Vice President of Governmental Relations for IPAA. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And now, David, it is time to welcome on our guest, Dan Knotts, who is Vice President of Governmental Affairs and Public Policy for IPAA. Dan, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you for a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I know we have worked with you, Shell Magazine, in the past, some articles, but I don't think we've ever had you on the radio show. So before we begin, I I do want to talk a little bit about your background, how you got to IPAA, but let's start with what is IPAA and what do you guys specifically do? The IPAA is the Independent Petroleum Association of America. We're a national trade association that represents the independent producers across the United States. About roughly 7,000 members in 34 states. Uh, Producers that independent doesn't necessarily mean small, but there are a lot of very small producers that we we represent, all the way up to some of the larger um, uh, companies. Really what independent means is we just do the upstream. Um, Mm -hmm. So our guys are the ones who produce the oil and natural gas around the country. We're really the people, I will say proudly, that started the shale revolution. It was the independent producers yep. who had the guts to go in and kind of do some things, which I'll be honest, I even when I heard about it said, you are crazy. You're going to go down 10,000 feet, go horizontal and frack an old well that's 50 years old, but uh, they did it. And uh, so that's what we do. We are uh, largely a, uh, we represent uh, both with Congress and with the uh, federal um, regulatory agencies and then also do a lot of communication. So uh, strictly federal, we work very closely with all our state partners in Texas, in Colorado, Wyoming, Louisiana, but we focus strictly on federal issues. And uh, before I turn over the mic to uh, David and let him start peppering you with questions, your background, tell us a little bit about how you came to IPAA and uh, a little bit about, you know, are you a lobbyist, uh, an attorney? Sure. So I, uh, I'm originally from Colorado, um, so have uh, energy, uh, grew up in Denver when Denver had a very thriving energy community, always been interested in that. But I came back 
I'll be honest with you, I came back to Washington because I was a political science major, mm -hmm. uh, came back and I worked for a congressman who then became a senator named Craig Thomas from Wyoming. Yeah. So Great I have a very um, uh, a, a strong background in Western land issues, Western public policy issues. Um, I was eventually Senator Thomas's chief of staff, uh, holding a number of jobs, but always focused on that energy realm. And then the last 17 years, I can't believe it's been 17 years, but last 17 years I've been at IPAA. Um, so I am a lobbyist. Um, I don't say that with any uh, remorse. Uh, we work the we work the hill. We work the regulatory agencies. But it's really important. Hey, somebody uh, has to. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, it's really important though to know. Well, it's, you can need to tell my brothers and sisters. Sometimes they go, "Yeah, Dan, what do you what do you do? Just sit there like a fat cat and smoke cigars?" And it's not true. We we really pound the pavement, uh, representing our members. And yeah. as I said, a lot of our members are very small companies that need representation on these very important issues that impact not only their lives, but the lives of local communities around the country. Well, I think every person is, is, is intelligent in the sense of they understand that every single type of business needs representation in the halls of Congress. And you guys are doing a good job because without, obviously, oil and gas, nothing, nothing works and nothing goes. And uh, here in Texas, we actually witnessed that for a week. Dan, uh, you know, your answer there is, is really, I think, important for our listeners to understand. I think when you came in to IPAA, wasn't Deemer True the, the chairman at that time? He was. Yes, yeah. he was. Yeah, I, I think it'd be really interesting for you to talk about what Deemer did when he became chairman. He, he actually moved to Washington. This is an independent producer in Wyoming who actually moved to Washington, D.C., bought a townhome there so he could be in Washington really getting involved in the work of, of the association, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Our chairman came uh, when I was uh, first came uh, was from Wyoming, was producer in Wyoming. Um, uh, again, it, it was not wild about coming to Washington, D.C., <laughs> loved Wyoming. But I think exactly right, David. He recognized how important these issues are uh, when you're talking about oil and natural gas and how the federal government, for good or bad, from the regulatory side, from congressional side, has a huge impact on American energy production. And I will also um, indicate and tell you that Deemer is one of the folks that got this moving when we got the energy bill going, which again, right. I had talked about the uh, shale revolution, the shale renaissance really started that whole process. So um, it is key, again, as we talked about earlier, to have representation and Deemer um, really added to that by recognizing how important having uh, Washington, have representation in Washington. Well, you know, Dan, we are getting ready for break, but when we come back, there's a new president at the White House, and obviously it has uh, completely changed a lot in the oil and gas industry from having President Trump, who totally supported the oil and gas energy and uh, did a lot of deregulation of regulation have been put in from the past administration. So we kind of look like we flip-flopped from we had Biden, I mean, I'm sorry, Obama, who uh, was you know, anti-oil and gas in a lot of ways or put a lot of regulation on the oil and gas industry. Then Trump came in and removed a lot of it, and now we have a new President Biden who uh, appears to be going down the same path of his predecessor, uh, President Obama. When we get back from break, listeners, uh, I want them to know we're going to talk about the differences between the policies, what is happening. Uh, everyone has heard about President uh, Biden's first two weeks in office, all the executive orders that came out, and a lot of them 
focused a lot on oil and gas. So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, uh, we'll get on President Biden and his policies on oil and gas. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link enter your information and we'll get you set up join the texas energy advocates coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today welcome back to into all patch radio program i'm david blackman the editor of shale magazine here with my co-host kim Bala. And our special guest today is Dan Knotts, uh, the Vice President for Government Relations and Public Policy at the Independent Petroleum Association of America, which is really, in terms of number of members, the largest trade association for the oil and gas business here in the United States. Dan, um, let's talk about our brave new world here uh, in the Biden administration. Obviously, um, things are going to be different for the next four years than they have been the past four years. Uh, and one of the ways they're going to be different, which is with this complete sea change uh, uh, that we're going to have in energy policy. The president uh, started on day one by issuing an executive order revoking the cross-border permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. And I, I, I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about, you know, how IPAA reacted to that how, and how its members are likely to be impacted by that decision. Yeah, well, David, uh, it certainly you've described it well that uh, there is a sea change that that came on, and I also harken back to what Kim was talking back before the break, which is one of the challenges our members face is this constant whipsawing of uh, a regime that heavily regulates you towards maybe a group that's let, and so it's been a real challenge uh, for our members. But out of the box, um, and, and President Biden was very clear about this, uh, Vice President Harris, that uh, they were going to go after Keystone. Uh, go after federal leases, and we can talk about that. But I think it really set the tone for the idea that um, 
this American energy renaissance, they had a whole different view of how you do that and the impact of uh, on our members, which are the producers, but the pipelines are so very important because, uh, you know, we have to move that product to market. So we have to move the oil, we have to move the natural gas. Pipelines are some of the safest ways to do that. Yeah. And that's one of the frustrations we also had is that Keystone, for example, you're still gonna have to move the oil. Um, this nation, the world is going to use oil and natural gas for a long time. So when you take away the Keystone, it may be a feel good effort, but what you're gonna do is put it on rail, put it on trucks, which can be moved safely. I'm not saying that, but the safest is pipelines. So you've seen this from the environmental community. Um, it, we get hit from a lot of different angles. If it's trying to make it tough for our members to produce, uh, regulate them that way via methane, via other issues, or on pipelines, uh, you try to starve it out by not allowing our members to get that product to market. Um, it is uh, the president sent a very clear message on what he believes uh, yeah. where the nation's going. Thank yeah, and, and and the pipelines are not just clean, uh, uh, safer, but they're also cleaner, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're uh, less emissions in, in terms of how you move oil, right? Absolutely, and that's a it's another great point, which is. Um, the the reduction emissions reduction that have happened in the United States because of the of the shale revolution are real. It's it's and so one of the things our members and one of the jobs that we talk to members of Congress and the regulatory agencies about is natural gas has really uh, moved forward in reducing that uh, the CO2 emissions. The United States is on a great glide path. And I want to stress, uh, we're never saying that oil and gas are the only answer. But we're going to be part of that energy mix for a long time, um, and it's really key. You guys have lived it in Texas. Uh, when when energy <laughs> goes out, how difficult that challenge can be. So we certainly want to be at the table. We want to have a discussion. We will continue to have discussions with the Biden administration and the Democrats in Congress, but uh, get frustrated when it just seems there's this idea that tomorrow you can change uh, to renewables. It's just not going to happen. And uh, we're going to have to have a very serious conversation about uh, American energy production. Well, you know, Dan, yeah. I think you have a lot of case studies here in Texas now. Um, we're going to get ready for break, and I want to get back on this topic on uh, the moratorium that was placed. But you have a lot of case studies here in Texas by just what happened last week. There's a little boy in Houston who froze to death. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand that when you start turning off oil and gas and we're not quite ready yet, these are the outcomes. And so if you, you know, lose your an elderly uh, parent or a child, and no one wants that, you have to start facing the reality that we can talk about climate change all we want. However, if we're not ready to make a change and we live on w one planet and other countries are polluting the planet like crazy, where are we going? And it almost seems like insanity, which is what my job is, is to try to help the average person understand how sometimes this gets so far down the road with our uh, policymakers and they fail to even understand themselves how dire it is when you do that. In Texas, you have a whole bunch of people who passed away because they didn't have access to energy. So I say we start there and go talk to our members of Congress. We'll be right back. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get back on President Biden and his 60-day moratorium. You're listening to In the World Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200-kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. 
Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Pilato, along with my co-host, David Blackman, and we are interviewing Dan Knotts, Vice President of Governmental Affairs and Public Policy for IPAA. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about day one, President Biden invoked a 60-day moratorium on the issuance of federal land leases. And from there, he expanded it to a full entire year. Talk to me about how this impacts your members. And let's talk about also the jobs that are, uh, what, what kind of potential job loss are we looking at? Yeah. The leasing ban uh, is of great concern to our members. And I think, Kim, the uh, first thing I should do is, is outline the, the impact. A lot of folks say, well, what does it matter, you know, federal land production? But uh, federal lands and waters, it's, again, it's offshore as well, contribute 22 percent of the total U.S. oil production, 12 percent of total U.S. natural gas production in 2019. <clears throat> Those are the dates we have. But it's a significant, you're talking about half a quarter of all U.S. oil production is offshore yeah. and onshore federal lands. Those leases, those leasing bans went into place. Um, the impact is going to be extreme, um, not only um, uh, for new leases. And it's important to know that the administration keeps talking about, well, existing leases haven't been stopped. But um, in the industry, we're always looking forward. I mean, these are million-dollar, multi-million-dollar projects. You have to continue to have leases moving forward. So when you make that uh, decision to ban leasing 60 days and then what happens beyond that, from that standpoint, it's difficult for our members, makes it harder for our members, again, of the many small producers, to get bank financing to figure out what they're going to do. Again, they've got multiple plans going. Second of all, um, in op- big offshore production, uh, you know, again, you're talking multi-million dollars, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars um, investment. When you have uncertainty from the federal government about your ability to get leases and to get out there and start doing that, it's going to cause a great deal of uncertainty. From the job impact, uh, it's also huge. Uh, in fact, the University of Wyoming did a study, not industry study, University of Wyoming in uh, December 2020, which indicated in um, uh, New Mexico, just Biden's first term, this would cost about 28,000 jobs, Uh, Wyoming, 15,000 jobs, Colorado, 4,500 jobs, and Utah, 2,700 jobs. But it's key to know that's just in the oil patch. Um, Again, you know from being in Texas, the impact on communities, Mm -hmm. the impact on everything that happens Uh, It rattles through the economies, and in many of those uh, western states, smaller towns, um, if there isn't production, um, that goes also to fund schools, to fund health care, to fund roads. Um, So just to take that away and say what what John Kerry said, well, we'll retrain these energy veterans to do something else. Uh, just doesn't make a lot of sense to us. And uh, again, we're we're very confident in what we do. We're confident in our reducing their footprint and helping address environmental issues. But we just have real concerns about um, what's being pitched as a temporary leasing ban. But our concern is there's going to be a lot of pressure on the president to stop this going forward for certainly as long as he's president. Uh, David, I know you have a question before you do, though. Yeah. Isn't this also, though, I mean, 
people don't also realize that this has a, a higher cost to consumers too when we have le- less access to domestic energy here and we're having yeah. to import it and we're having to rely on other countries. David, go ahead. No, I'll give you the yeah, floor. No, Kim, uh, you and David both addressed it. There's also a, a, a energy security issue. Um, it, it, it helps the United States to be an energy superpower. And what I mean by that is th- to have the United States involved in the markets, it keeps a check on uh, a lot of different countries when the United States is able to export oil, mm-hmm. to export natural gas. Um, and certainly at home, it helps with all the issues from gas prices to gasoline prices to natural gas. But again, it's important uh, when you think about what a game changer this is that the United States is now exporting oil and natural gas to keep a check on those markets. And, and you and David know that well, but uh, we talk a lot about energy security. That all goes away if you start to uh, make it so difficult for our members to produce um, they will be in a, in a real box, and eventually the nation will be in a real challenge as right. well. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and another consequence of the, the election, the, the, the change in presidencies, since uh, November 3rd on Election Day, price of gasoline's up 40 cents a gallon, price of crude oil's up by about uh, 30%. You know, and that is the market kind of looking and seeing that, well, U.S. production's probably going to be tight here over the next four years. Uh, for your members, I mean, uh, I keep hearing people say, well, you know, that's great for the oil industry because prices are going up. But really, it's it's really not great uh, just in terms not, not only of, 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 of the, the, the industry, but the society as a whole. Right. I mean, your members aren't looking at this situation like it's good news, are they? No, not at all, David. Uh, uh, again, we talked about the volatility of the markets, and you know our members like to have some idea of where it's going, but absolutely not. Uh, uh, again, our members have shown over the last number of years we can we can survive and thrive uh, at a at a price wherever that is. The market will decide that. I think that's one of the other challenges and frustrations that our members, many of our members, tell me is, look, those are business decisions. If we know we're going to have you know, a, a constant stream of leases on federal lands or no, the regulatory regime, we can plan for that and move forward. But when you have uh, a regulatory regime just swinging back and forth, the uncertainty that it causes, it doesn't help anybody. And I can tell you, I have never met one of our members that say, oh, great, um, you know, because the U.S. has now constrained oil uh, prices, the prices are going up. We understand the impact on consumers. We understand the impact on Americans. Um, we want to be, again, at the risk of re- sounding redundant, we want to really be part of the solution, not part of the problem, and we believe we are. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it's challenge when you just are constantly faced with this onslaught of of regulatory regime, uh, possibly congressional action on tax changes, uh, a whole bunch of things. So, uh, no, great point. Uh, our members are are never gleeful um, when the price of oil is artificially constrained and goes up. Um, that doesn't help anybody. Well. I want to try to switch gears. We're going to get ready for break. When we come back from break, though, I want to bring it back to Texas because we have just experienced a major snowstorm. And in that storm, uh, there were a lot of consequences that occurred for our legislators. They're going to grapple with, and of course, D.C. as well. So I want to get your point of view on on, uh, how can we look and learn what happened in Texas, the big freeze, and uh, things, outcomes that happened as a result of that and lessons learned. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. 
as a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment, and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim within the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Do you know what artificial intelligence can do for your operation? It's probably time to find out. With Aspen Tech Software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspen Tech's leading-edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas, chemical, and engineering companies, helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Aspen Tech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how Aspen Tech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. Learn more at www.aspentech.com forward slash AI. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Program. I'm David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine with my host, Kim Bellotto. And our special guest, Dan Knotts, the Vice President of Government Relations and Public Policy for IPAA. Dan, um, let's, let's, uh, we've been talking a lot about Washington. Let's move it back to, to Texas here for just a minute since, since we are so focused on Texas. Um, we had a big freeze here in the state last, uh, last week with the horrible situation with blackouts, power loss, and, and of course, natural gas power generation played a role in that, although Thank God for natural gas. It, it uh, provided 70% of the power we did have in Texas. Um, but I just kind of wanted to see, you know, what y'all were hearing about that in Washington while it was going on, how it impacted your members. Uh, because I know, you know, I mean, we had to shut in 3 million barrels a day of production here in Texas. So uh, talk about how, you know, the things you were hearing from your membership uh, while all that was going on. Well, first of all, David and Kim, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you guys. We, as we talked earlier, we really uh, understand how how important uh, you see how important energy is when you're talking about an economy and a thriving okay. economy and a modern economy. So we're glad everybody is uh, safe and, and best wishes in Texas. From our members' standpoint, a lot of production got shut in. Again, that uh, that is a challenge when you're doing that. This is, <clears throat> you know, a, 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 an event 
that uh, is tough to plan for. But uh, I think it's really key kind of on the broader scale to see, again, um, how important energy is uh, when you're moving forward. And oil and natural gas are a key part of that. I talked about that earlier. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of unpacking to do on what happened, which is far above my pay grade to, to, to figure <laughs> out. But I think everybody needs to look at this and realize um, you talked earlier about energy security, uh, the importance of energy to modern economies. Kim talked about it, and, and it's really true. And so we always want to stress uh, that it's important for policymakers in D.C. and going down to Texas and all the other states. You have to be really smart on this, because if you uh, take actions, which we believe, again, the Biden administration is taking political actions to address a concern from uh, the progressives and others about, you know, fundamentally shifting uh, the economy overnight, that's not going to happen. And so it's it's very important. And you saw a real live example in Texas, which nobody ever wants to go through again. No, we don't. But I do promise you that our listeners and our show is going to continue to hammer this home because I want to do a show on how many people actually suffered and and what was the total fatality rate to bring it home to people to understand this is what happens when yes obviously we were Texas was not prepared we didn't winterize but when you don't have access to basic energy bad things happen very quickly let's switch gears and talk about COVID-19 because it has had an impact on of course the energy industry as well how bad has it been on your uh, membership and um, what are you hearing in DC as far as the virus and the national response Tell us a little bit more about COVID. How is the energy industry and your members being affected by it? Well, that's an interesting question. I, uh, uh, first of all, I can tell you uh, from our membership, and certainly this goes a lot into offshore industry, energy industry has been very um, responsive to that, very careful what's going on. Is it perfect? No. COVID has hit all of our members as well. But we haven't heard a, too much of uh, you know, impact on production, impact. Uh, the real impact has been the loss of markets, uh, the loss yeah. of the economy shutting down and the impact that mm-hmm. it's had on on prices and, and again, the world economy. So we're very much hoping that we bounce back, not only the United States, but the world so that you have access uh, or we have markets to, to, to move those products. So it's going to be key to get the economy going. From a D.C. standpoint, um, Again, uh, we, like everybody, we're all waiting for the vaccines to really kick in. Uh, uh, our members are engaged in that, uh, in trying to get their uh, employees, workers vaccinated so that we can get going. And I think really, Kim, the goal will be to have that economy uh, uh, get going where we can fully operate uh, across the board, which helps everybody. And uh, we're we're a small part of that, but we're an important part of that as you talk about this uh, the interplay of economic activity and energy use and energy production. So uh, uh, we hope uh, soon to be to be moving again in the right direction. What about the association staff? Uh, are you guys all working from home right now? Or are uh, you going into the office? No, it's a great question, David. Uh, we largely are working from home. We have a staggered um, staggered schedule we can go in, but largely working from home, which is a challenge. Um, with Congress as well, uh, when we are, sure. I said, you know, we, mm-hmm. we work the halls of Congress. We are not allowed up there. Um, some some folks have said that's a good thing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> not have lobbyists moving around. But uh, you know, we've managed uh, doing a lot of Zoom calls, working. But it's a it's a real challenge. So uh, uh, if um, if we need to go in, my kids make fun of me because sometimes an old guy, I need to go into the office to use the computer or the printer or whatever, and they say, Dad. 
you can do that from your table here, but uh, uh, it's been a challenge. It's been a real challenge and uh, uh, we'll hopefully get back here soon. Well, you know, it's it's strange you mentioned that because we've done some interviews with some of the EMPs and midstream companies that weren't prepared to work from home at all, and they also had to, you know, flip that switch very quickly and learn on the fly, if you will. But I want to leave you with this as well. David Blackman is the editor of Shell Magazine, and I produce the In the Oil Patch radio show along with uh, our executive producer. We have an, a, an advocacy group called Te- Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, and we pick up members all the time. These are people that typically work outside the oil and gas industry, but they get either the importance of energy or they some way, somehow interconnect in with oil and gas. And we use our advocacy group in a way with our, law, with our legislators, rather, mostly in Texas, but we're prepared to also write letters in D.C. And I think we'll start seeing that as a result of what happened with the Texas weather. So I would like to leave you with that, that um, if you do feel the need that uh, you need people calling their congressmen or writing op- uh, letters and, uh, and op-eds, if you will, please feel free to uh, contact us because I think that we are now with this administration at a point where we need to be having regular people calling their elected officials and advocating on behalf of oil and gas and not just the oil and gas industry, but outside the industry, their constituents calling them, which is very important. But Dan, that is all the time that we have for this show. On behalf of David and myself, we want to thank you for coming on our show. And we do encourage you and hope that you will come back and talk to us again about what you guys are doing at IPAA. And for our members, for anyone who's listening in oil and gas, where can they go to join IPAA? So first of all, thank you again for the opportunity, Kim, David. We really appreciate it. I, I think the best thing would be to go to join IPAA, go to our website, uh, uh, IPAA.org. Um, we have a lot of information there. We greatly appreciate the opportunity and would love to come back and talk anytime. So thank you again for the opportunity to be here today. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.